definitely, uh, it's great to follow as far as just being able to walk through what Kairos, how it's defined. And I, I have to say, I'm a little envious of you guys. Um, I became a Christian when I was 32 years old. Uh, that came along with a wife and two kids, which uh, I love that whole situation. But it's amazing how we do have these different times in our lives and different chapters of our lives. And uh, we're currently empty nesters, which uh, puts us in a position not too much unlike you in that I've only got one person I've got to go to now to kind of get consensus and make sure she's on the same page with me, which is my wife. But, you know, with kids, you've got schools, you've got all these other things that you need to think about from a standpoint of shaping their lives. And uh, with that, I'm really excited. My uh, daughter, Shailene Marie, she just turned 25 today. My little baby, and it was amazing to see how God used that little girl to really help soften my heart and see my need for God. Uh, from the ages of 13 to 32, I was agnostic and really didn't have any desire. But kids started chipping away at my heart. Obviously, uh, there were people that came into my life. Uh, Bruce and Ortigue met us in, uh, in uh, 1990, December 10th of 1990, became Christians. But getting back to what, what Clay had established with you guys, this is really special. And... I'm looking forward to kind of the next chapter for myself as well, and that my wife is on the same page, and that whenever you know, they decide to kick me out to pastor as an evangelist, my wife and I have decided we want to go into a third world nation somewhere where not only can we meet spiritual needs, but we can meet those physical needs as well. And, uh, you know, it's just awesome to know that she's as excited about that as I am. Uh, and my daughter, not so much. She cried. She told us we could, and it's like, okay, what, I'm gonna have, you're going to have grandkids, and you're going to be halfway around the world or whatever, and... We had to kind of explain to her, you know, our, we're living for the next life. We're not living for this life. And God, I'm sure, will figure out that whole situation there when that point in time comes. First, she needs to find a spouse. First, she needs to get restored, find a spouse, and get married. Amen. Uh, my son, Stephen's 27 years old. He's a disciple in Christ. I'm super proud of him. Uh, he just baptized a young lady here uh, a couple of weeks ago that was... Uh, He's a service writer for a Lincoln Mercury Mazda dealership in Long Beach, and she was one of his customers and reached out to her. She became a Christian, and it looks like there may be some dating thing down the road for the two of them. So it would be awesome if he baptized his wife. Amen? But I do want to just take the opportunity to welcome you guys. Super excited about being here today. I want to thank Angela and the other leaders that are involved that got me plugged in here. feel very honored uh, to have the opportunity. But I think just thinking through all this, realizing that now is the time to make preparations on how to serve God, His church, and His people. And you guys are obviously pouring yourselves out. You took time out of your schedule today. I know this doesn't represent all the single leaders in Los Angeles. But obviously you guys understand the significance and the importance of this. And prayerfully by the end of our series that you guys have put together, this place will be standing room only. And I think if you're passionate about it, you're zealous about it, and you share what goes on here and the significance of this, and that you guys are shaping the future of our church. Will this make it to the next generation? And I think you guys are pivotal in that, based on your unity, your love, your zeal and passion for God, can make the difference as to whether or not this continues or it dies. And I think just, I want to throw that out there. Hopefully you understand how significant you are in God's church, in this fellowship, and the unity that you're able to develop amongst yourselves within your small groups, Bible talks, family groups, whatever the vernacular is that you use, uh, will really make the difference on what takes place in our communities here in the future to come. Amen? I don't know if my thing is on here, but... Uh, 
Um, I, I'm a history buff, uh, ancient history, current history. Um, the title of the message today is, Now is the Time to be Battle Ready. I've got a short video clip that I want to start out with, but for those of you in leadership, there's a gentleman by the name of Donald Phillips who has got some phenomenal books on leadership. Uh, Lincoln on Leadership, Founding Fathers on Leadership, Washington on Leadership. And there's some great insight based on these individuals and their connectivity to people as to how they motivate and inspire people to take on tasks, projects, battles that are way above and beyond what you would even think human endurance would allow. But with that, I've got a short video clip and we'll uh, continue here in a minute. I think we choose to be born, or we fit it to the times we're born into. We begin with equality. It's the origin, isn't it? That's justice. See, we've shown that if people can endure awful sacrifice and yet cohere, Shall we stop this bleeding? Abolishing slavery settles the fate for millions now in bondage and unborn millions to come. It's either the amendment or this Confederate peace. You cannot have both. No one's loved as much as you, bad people. Don't waste that power. How many hundreds of thousands have died during your administration? We must cure ourselves of slavery. This amendment is that cure. God help us for trapping you in a marriage that's only ever given you grief. The fate of human dignity is in our hands. Blood's been spilled to afford us this moment. Now, now, now. Never trusted the president, never trusted anyone. The war will be over in a month. Tell Lincoln to deny the rumors. We are guaranteed to lose the whole thing. Leave the Constitution alone. You insult God. You think they'll keep their promise? I am the president of the United States of America. Clothed in immense power. Rated PG-13. In theaters everywhere, November 16th. How many of you guys saw uh, Lincoln? Absolutely phenomenal movie. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is incredible. But having, I've read a lot of history on Lincoln through the years, and the degree of passion, the way he was able to unite, the way he took a stand in, in the midst of opposition on so many different fronts is absolutely amazing. And that, that, that clip where he's all, now, 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 I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, you know, it's... Got me totally worked up, and then, you know, the sound system here, I don't know what the heck's going on. I'm standing on the stage being massaged by the subsonic woofer up here. But uh, just kind of got me all pumped again, you know. But, you know, we think about this, and what, what Lincoln was dealing with was a physical battle, physical blood being spilled. I mean, he saw more deaths, I believe, than any other president in history. And it was, you think about the significance of this. Fathers and sons on different sides, brothers on different sides, coming up against each other in battle. And I think for us today, realizing that today is the time for the bleeding to stop as well. 
You know, early in uh, his first term, Lincoln was constantly pressured by key advisors in the South, uh, just demands to avoid a bloody conflict. And during one of those interactions, he was advised by a Virginian to surrender all the forts, all the property, all the munitions, everything that was going on to avoid this conflict in the southern states. And he immediately rejected the option by telling Aesop's parable of the lion and the woodsman daughter. And it reads as follows. A lion was very much in love with the woodsman's daughter. The fair maid referred him to her father, and the lion applied for the girl. The father replied, your teeth are long, they're too long. So the lion went to a dentist and he had them extracted. Returning, he asked for his bride. No, said the woodman, your claws are too long. Going back to the dentist, he had them drawn. Then he returned to claim his bride, and the woodsman, seeing that he was unarmed, beat out his brains. And you know, you, you think through this, this, Lincoln's response to this demand was, may it not be so with me? If I give up all that is asked, and we live in a society today where we're constantly being barraged by the media to give up this for what Satan wants us to believe is so much better. The cars, the homes, whatever, whatever the latest and greatest commercial is. I mean, the ones that crack me up the most are Axe, um, Old Spice. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. It's ridiculous. The marketing that goes on. But Satan knows how to get in there. He knows how to distract us. He knows how to help us to see why we should surrender this because what he has is so much more valuable. We really need to understand that all that is is slavery. Satan wants to keep us enslaved. And just up on the slide here, you can see one of the things that was super important to Lincoln, abolishing slavery settles the fate for millions now in bondage and unborn millions to come. And you think about this. Lincoln understood what was at stake, not only for his generation, but for generations to come. And that's what you guys are all about. Really understanding that the world is enslaved to Satan. Total slavery on so many different fronts. And you guys as leaders have the ability to totally change your communities. Abolishing slavery by coming up with plans, unifying your small groups, your Bible talks, your family groups, whatever they are, and taking a stand in your community and going after whacking those chains off. You can make that kind of a difference. How does this apply to us? Well, in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Next slide. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 reads, Humble yourselves. You know, and as leaders, can that be sometimes a problem? It can be kind of a problem for any of us. But, you know, it's amazing how I, I look back as a, as a young Christian, as a young leader, my wife and I uh, had been disciples for a year, and then we were asked to go into the full-time ministry. And it's amazing how, as a young leader, you know, things start going your way, your Bible talks doubling within a few months, and it just you have this progression. You start getting arrogant. And, you know, I've been slapped down a few times through the years when I slip into that. And it's just good. I think Peter understood this. There's that need for humility before Christ. So he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, what are the implications there? Any of you ever anxious? Any of you ever stressed? Do you you think that was something that Peter maybe dealt with himself from time to time? I mean, it's just a given. He doesn't say, if you have anxiety, 
cast. He just says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He knows that this is what we can deal with in the course of our daily lives. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You know, I think one of the things that we've got to realize and sometimes it can be more challenging for us when we're younger, is that the battle isn't short. How many of you have been around for five years as a Christian? We got any 10 years in here? 20? That's awesome. 25? Come on, man. There's somebody that knows how to stand firm. That's phenomenal. You know, I've been around for 22, and... There's been some great times, there's been some not-so-great times, and there's just been some abysmal times. But God always comes through when you stand firm. Just realizing the battle isn't short, the stakes are high, and ultimately, what are the stakes? Was the very thing that Lincoln was going, going after in this country of ours. Freedom! I mean, it's huge, it's key. Freedom in the form of salvation. Our salvation. The salvation for our loved ones. Those in our groups, those that we've yet to meet. And really understanding as leaders, we've been entrusted with all of that as we move forward to make sure others have the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. The time is now to take a stand. See, Satan is on the prowl, but the thing that's so incredibly awesome is that we are stronger with Christ. He may win a few battles, but ultimately the war is ours. And we can make a difference. Humility before God, again, is key. Reliance on God. If we're not humble, is there any need for reliance? And that's where I blow it. You know, when it, it's, it's amazing. It's gotten better as I've gotten older. But it's amazing how when things go well, you know, quiet times drop off a little bit. Prayer times drop off a little bit. Or maybe I'm just unique in that. But... And it's amazing when you get slapped upside the head, all of a sudden, man, you're down on the knees. Come on, God, help me. I'm sorry. But just realizing the need to be reliant on God and that reliance won't happen unless we remain humble. Reliance on God through the Word and through discipleship. Guys, I think that's one of the things that's the biggest challenge for our church moving forward is discipleship. You know, post-2003, post it just amazes me. One of the things we prided ourselves on was being a discipling movement. And I think that's the very thing that has allowed us to really slip into a lot of ways, not being a whole lot different from the denominational world, not being involved in each other's lives, not being willing to, if you see a brother or sister in sin, bro, come here, man, can, we, can I share something with you? And opening the Bible, sharing the Scriptures to help get us back on track because we know we drift. The author of Hebrews is very clear on that. The need for fellowship, the need to encourage one another daily, the need when someone's drifting to help redirect them back on path. But the likelihood of that happening without being in one another's lives isn't very good. So we need to see the need to be self-controlled and alert. And again, now is the time to be battle-ready. Jesus was battle-ready. He prepared Himself. He prayed. He fasted. He appealed to God. You know, how, how is it that we can be battle-ready? We need to do the same thing. We need to stay in shape spiritually. You know, we're going to feel tired. We're going to feel stressed. We're going to feel anxious. You know what? 
kind of a human condition. We live in a fallen state, right? I mean, that's kind of who we are. That's what sin does to us. It makes us insecure. But if we rely on God, as Peter says here, God Himself will restore us and make us strong. And, you know, it's not like He can't relate to what we're going through. Jesus came to abolish slavery to Satan. He came to stop the bloodshed with His own blood. And the time is now for us to do the same. Hebrews 2, verse 14. So since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by death he might destroy him who holds power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for sins of the people. Jesus was ready and willing. And we look back to our founding fathers. Just as Lincoln and Grant were ready, we need to be ready and we need to be ready now. You know, Clay talked about it. We need to seize the initiative now and never relinquish it. You know, when making a decision, when it comes to our groups and our leadership, understanding the facts, considering the various solutions and their consequences, and then making sure that the decision that we make moving forward is consistent with what you're trying to accomplish in your groups and what God wants you to accomplish, and then effectively communicating that first to your co-leaders and then to your small group. You know, one of the things that can really destroy unity is a lack of communication. And we've got to make sure that we're involved with each other. We're having these kinds of discussions. We're having these prayers together. That's the thing that will give us the kind of unity that Jesus talked about in John 17, the day before he went to the cross. He understood and we need to understand the power in unity. I think with that too, sometimes though, remembering that we may need to shift gears a little bit. You know, a lot of you had goals and a vision at the beginning of the year. We need to make sure that we're taking a look at those goals and things that we establish and we reassess from time to time that we have consensus, that we talk to our brothers and sisters in our group about where we're at, what's been going great, what we could potentially change, how we can glorify God even more so moving forward, and understanding that, you know, compromise doesn't necessarily mean cowardice. Sometimes we need to take that time to reassess the goal. You know, Lincoln had a saying that uh, I'm not endorsing, but I was kind of amused by it. He says, try ballots first, and then when ballots don't work, use bullets. Again, I'm not endorsing this. But I think what, what ultimately he was saying here is that you need to get consensus. You need to get buy-in. But you as the leader, there's ownership involved in the groups that you lead. And sometimes you just need to take a stand for something. As a leader, you need to take a stand. We need to remember, in Galatians 3.26, you know, we heard Lincoln in that clip talk about being clothed in immense power. He was an incredibly spiritual president. He understood that there were certain things that God was looking down on and would never approve of and was willing to take that kind of stance, even though there was blood that was being shed for that freedom. And we need to understand, first and foremost, that we are clothed in immense power. We're God's children. We can do all things. Nothing is too big for us to do with God. And I think we need to remember, one of the things that can reassure us is how God views us. In Galatians 3, verse 26, it says, You are all sons of God 
through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have what? Clothed yourselves in Christ. I mean, for me, this is so incredibly cool to know that when God looks at me, having exited the waters of baptism, He sees His Son. I mean, isn't that empowering? To know that's the kind of God we have. If you continue in Galatians 4, it talks about how through the waters of baptism, having been baptized in context, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit cries out to God, Abba, Father! So not only does God see us as His Son, He hears us as His Son. I mean, how cool is that? To know that when we cry out to God, He sees Jesus Christ. He hears Jesus Christ. You think He's going to let those prayers go unanswered? And just really understanding that need for reliance on Him moving forward. Leadership requires aggressive individuals who, men and women that have that take charge kind of an attitude. You know, we've got to be self-starters. We, we need to understand the need to, to, first and foremost, live examples for our brothers and sisters to imitate. I mean, it's so much easier for someone, you know, you can, you can pick up a book on basketball and read it. You going to end up making it into the NBA? <laughs> Highly unlikely. I would venture to guess, I'm not stepping out there too much saying it's never been done. Why is that? We are visual I mean, if someone shows you how to make a shot, unless you're me, you'll, you'll be able to kind of plug in and get a handle on it. And we've got to model discipleship for our brothers and sisters. If you're talking about the need for discipleship, yet you're not in there weekly with the men and women that you've been entrusted with that are your assistants or co-leaders, and they're not being getting those times with you where you're praying together, you're opening the Bible together, you're helping each other get stronger, iron sharpening iron, you think it's taking place beyond you? I mean, what we want to see our groups become, we need to model in our groups. You know, Lincoln, he understood that the need to achieve was more than just a simple inclination. For him, it was an uncontrollable obsession. His law partner, William Herndon, back in the day, noted that he was always calculating and planning ahead. And as leaders, that needs to be our mindset, always planning, always calculating, always going to God with our goals, our plans, and our strategy now. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. It reads, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in order to be battle-ready, we need to remain clothed in Christ. We need to remain clothed in immense power. And that is who we are as leaders when we walk with Christ. You know, we need to be willing to go after and unite the brothers and sisters in our groups with a spiritual mission. You know, it's really amazing. And this is something that, that, that took me a number of years to, to learn as a leader. I'm, you know, and that's probably who we are in California. That's the whole Burger King mentality. We want it now. We want it our way. And, you know, kind of the heck with everybody else. That mentality in leadership doesn't work. 
There may be some short-term stuff that goes on, but by and large, people will become resentful. And when you're talking and giving direction, all they're hearing is womp, 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 womp. They are tuned out. And just really understanding that people support what they help create. You've got to get the brothers and sisters in the mix. Again, people support what they help create. If they're part of the creative process, do they want to see it fail? Heck no. You guys with me? I mean, this is good stuff. God has entrusted us with incredible brothers and sisters. Sometimes things maybe need to be shuffled up a little bit. Maybe you've got someone that's in a role that would do better in something else. And again, this is where that need to reassess comes in. But you've got to get everybody a role. So everybody feels like they're a part of it. 1 Corinthians 12, I mean, there are a lot of parts of the body, but they're all integral parts of the body. And making sure that we've got that kind of a mindset with the brothers and sisters that we've been entrusted with. You know, we need to make sure that we set specific short-term goals. What, what does that look like? What can that be? Uh, outreach within the neighborhood. Going after our coworkers. Getting people in our homes for dinner, for meals, for game nights. Bowling to help raise money for special contribution. I mean, why should it just be you guys that are coming through with the cash? Get your friends on out to participate. I mean, you know, you look at the, you look at the Jews coming out of Egypt. I mean, they, they left wealthy. Why? Because they asked. I mean, that's kind of how God works. It's amazing. And we need to make sure, too, that we don't get trapped or bogged down. You know, one of the other things that, that Lincoln uh, really understood and went after is he said sometimes it's better to plow around obstacles rather than waste time going through them. You know, what does that mean for us? Sometimes we need to have the spiritual discernment to realize that there are going to be individuals that you're studying the Bible with that have been going on for years, months, whatever. And really thinking through the fact that maybe they're not receptive, and Satan's using this as a distraction to keep you from continuing to go after other people, and you end up missing that opportunity for that one that Acts 17 talks about, that you know God determined the time and the place so that perhaps some may seek him. The ones you're working with right now may not be seeking. And, and don't, don't have a problem shaking the dust off your feet, moving on to the next victory that will really inspire your group to be more outwardly focused as you move forward. Next slide. You know, we heard in that clip, blood has been spilled to afford us this moment. And then we bang the table, now, now, now. Jesus' blood has been spilled. And the need for leadership is now. Blood has been spilled to afford us this moment. Today is the day. Leadership, your leadership, now, now, now. The world can't wait another day. They can't wait another hour. They can't wait another minute. Jesus' blood has been spilled and the need for leadership is now, today, this moment. There was an urgency behind Lincoln's plea, because lives were at stake. There is a need for aggressive, assertive leadership. You know, it's interesting, when you pull up leadership in the Bible, or excuse me, in the dictionary, first dictionary definition of a leader describes a primary shoot of a plant. Kind of that main branch going right up through the middle there. It says, the main artery through which the organism lives and thrives it's the fastest growing part of the plant. That's where the support for everything else comes from. That's who you guys are. You need to be the fastest growing part spiritually. 
Continue to deepen your own faith and love and appreciation and gratitude for Christ. So it is so evident when you're around your, the brothers and sisters that are parts of your ministry, they see the passion. They're inspired by your love, your faith, your interaction with them. And they want to aspire to be like you. You know, it's the same way in our churches. Small groups prosper or die as a result of their leader's ability to embody and communicate to the community group, the small group, the Bible talk, vision and urgency. See, how a leader influences others will dictate the health of the entire group or organization. And what does this say about us? If your group's going to be strong, what do we need to be? We need to be strong. We need to get stronger. We need to make sure we're working out spiritually. All this translates into one of the major factors that distinguishes leaders from mere managers. Vision. Corporate consultant Peters and Austin advocated preaching the vision. Now, mind you, this is the secular world, and they're talking about preaching the vision. Attention, symbols, drama, they wrote, are the nuts and bolts of leadership. You have to know where you're going to be able to state it clearly and concisely. And you have to care about it passionately. That all adds up to vision. Effective visions, according to Tom Peters, are inspiring. They are clear and challenging and about excellence. They make sense, and they can stand the test of time. They are stable, yet flexible. An effective vision empowers people and prepares for the future while also having roots in the past. You know, the Gettysburg Address is absolutely amazing, the vision that Lincoln set forth for the nation. And he deals with three aspects of it during this address. He talks about the past, he talks about the present, and then he talks about renewal and the future. I want to kind of read it to kind of give you an idea as to what he laid out. It says, four score and seven years ago, this is the reminder, this is the past, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. You know, you think about our past, the beginning of the church in Acts 2. 2,000 years ago, God ushered in salvation for everyone through Jesus Christ. What about the present, where we are? No, he continues. He says, now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. You know, we think about the present for us, having received the gift of the Holy Spirit, having our sins forgiven through the waters of baptism. Why? Because of God's mercy and love for us, we have the opportunity to be engaged in the spiritual battle today to extend God's mercy to all others that are willing to receive it. And then Lincoln continues with renewal, the need to re-engage. He says, but in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate we cannot consecrate. We cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it. Far above our poor power to add or detract, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought have thus far so nobly advanced. 
It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we have highly resolved that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And for me, what that, what that is reminiscent of is what we have in Hebrews 11, the roll call of the faithful. You know, you think about those who went before us based on a promise that had yet to be fulfilled, that were willing to lay down their lives to die for God so that we would have the opportunity today. We need to remember those who have gone ahead of us that were faithful with just the promise of a Messiah. And we need to hold to the task at hand even more so because the promise of that Messiah has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ for us. And then he talks about the future, what we hope to accomplish. And the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from this earth. You know, what's the future like for us? God's providence through us will give those yet to be reached through us the opportunity for great salvation, ultimately for us, hoping that none will perish. Again, we need to make sure that we provide a clear, concise statement of the direction that you want your group to go in. And make sure that we're justifying that biblically when it comes to the actions that we're looking to take. Everywhere you go, at every conceivable opportunity, reaffirm, reassert, and remind everyone of the basic principles upon which your small group was found. Harness your vision through the implementation of your own personal leadership style. This is the thing I love about God. This is the thing I love about the kingdom. I would imagine I can ask you guys who your favorite preachers are, and we'll probably have a wide array of names. Why? That's how God's created us. We all have different likes, different dislikes. We all have different things that get us up and going and motivated. And it's the same with each and every one of you. Go after your relationship with God. God will make your leadership style visible as you focus on Him. And that will be the thing that really motivates and inspires the men and women that you've been entrusted with. And when effecting renewal, call on the past just like Lincoln did. Related to the present just like those in the Bible had done through the prophets and the apostles, and then use them to both provide a link to the future and a roadmap as to where you are going. Remember the past victories. How many of you have had past victories that excite you? I would hope that's everybody here. I mean, look around. Keep them up. That's awesome. Do we not have victories that we can talk about? What do we see through the Scriptures? We see the good, bad, and the ugly. We see the guys that end up with their faces down in the mud to the guys who have had the most incredible victories ever that by all physical appearances, should never have been able to accomplish it. But that's the kind of God that we have. Lincoln knew that true leadership is often realized by exerting quiet and subtle influence on a day-to-day -day basis. Are you in touch with brothers and sisters in your group? And if you are, is it only a matter of what you're trying to get them to facilitate for your group? Are there depth of relationships? Are there friendships? And that, that takes place by frequently being involved with one another face-to-face. -face. I mean, this day and age with our cell phones, man. I mean, you know, I, I, now we got, how many of you guys have read or seen the new Google Glasses? Oh, my gosh. Or, excuse me, OMG. 
you know, I'm thinking there, there was a movie out a number of years ago that Bruce Willis was in called Surrogate. I'm thinking, how far away from we, that are we? I mean, these guys sitting home in a bed, they plug in and the robot goes out and does everything during the course of the day. I mean, it's crazy. Guys, we need to make sure that we're in each other's lives, not through just through text, emails, Facebook, Tumblr, uh, Instagram, whatever the latest and greatest is that I'm sure I'm unaware of. I do use all the others, but I make sure that I've got that FaceTime as well. That's important. Physical touch, physical interaction, a hug, a smile, eye contact. You want to inspire your group, that's the best way to do it. The other thing I loved about Lincoln is he treated everyone with the same degree of courtesy and respect. I mean, his, his guys, his peers, Lincoln drove them nuts. He would sit in his office 8 to 12 hours a day with people with something as simple as how I perceive it as a land dispute. And they're waiting in line to talk to the president to get resolved on it. I mean, are you kidding me? But it didn't matter to him. They, they could be kings or commoners, and he made the time for them. He lifted people out of their everyday selves to a higher level of performance and achievement and awareness. And this is the thing that was amazing. He obtained extraordinary results from ordinary people by instilling purpose in their endeavors. Lincoln was the essence of leadership. And the other example we have is so much more powerful. Christ exemplified this leadership and who he was, and what he preached, and what he modeled. Love for God, and love for others. Matthew 22, verse 37. This has got to be our motto. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Amen? This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, I want to close with a song from the era of the Civil War, Battle Hymn of the Republic. It was used to motivate and inspire the troops. You know, this was what came out in the, I can't even see it with my reading contacts on here, uh, the Atlantic Monthly. And it, there's a couple of passages in it we don't normally sing that I thought were really kind of cool. The first one says, I have read a fiery gospel written burnished rows of steel. As ye deal with my contemners, so with you my grace shall deal. Let the hero born of woman crush the serpent with his heel, since God is marching on. And the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free, while God is marching on. He is coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. He is wisdom to the mighty. He is succor to the brave. So the world shall be his footstool and the soul of time his slave. Our God is marching on. So there's so much at stake here. And we as leaders, we're in a position where we can make a difference. But we've got to be battle ready. And Jesus understood this. Jesus was willing to spill out his blood for that very reason. Blood has been spilt. And the time is now, now, now to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Blood has been spilt. The time is now, now, now.
to lead our brothers and sisters into the advancing tide of Satan and his demons to save the lost. Blood has been spilled. The time is now to die to self to make men free. The time is now, my brothers and singles, that comprise the leadership group of the singles ministry for you mighty men and women of the singles ministry and of God to grab God's wisdom so our God can go marching on to all men and to all nations so that all will have the opportunity to say, Jesus is Lord. To God be the victory and the glory. God bless.